0: Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. Mark, the second chapter. Very familiar scripture. And I had a different idea with it and was going to go that way because it's been preached traditionally in, in a direction many, many times. And um, what's going to happen today is I'm just going to give you a portion. I'm not going to finish where I was going to go with this today, but I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the ball rolling just a little bit. Next week, we'll come back and finish, all right? So Mark, the second chapter, starting with the first verse. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. In fact, in in the Amplified, it says he was discussing the word. He was having a, a room discussion about the word with everybody in The room wouldn't that be something to sit in a Bible study where the word teaches the word? Would that not be fabulous? I read out of the King James, I know sometimes that dates things for people, but it's where I learned, and so I'm kind of stuck there a little bit, other than when I preach and pop over other places. Verse 3 And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, in other words, uh, a paralyzed man with four friends. And they brought him because he could not bring himself to the meeting. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof. In the other versions it says they dug down into the roof. They actually tore a hole in the roof. They dug down into the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith... He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. How many knows there's always room for a nice religious argument? Mm Mm-hmm. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. They came to hear Jesus because they wanted to pick him apart. They didn't come there because they wanted something from God. They wanted to pick him apart. Verse 7. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? And who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his heart that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Rather it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, that's very important there, the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the uh, thoughts that you have given me and the ability, Father, to articulate those thoughts and not miss, Father, what it is that you desire to say today in this place. We thank you, Father, for your move that's already moved throughout this building. And we settle in, Father, for the word so that we may leave here equipped. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you're streaming today, God bless you. Welcome. Glad you're part of our Passion Church service. Come see us. We're real easy to find. We're right here in Cameron, Missouri. Ask anybody. They can point you the way. If you arrive at a big, big building and there's nothing there, you're at the wrong building. At the moment, you'll be at the wrong building, but somebody will get you where you need to go. 1018 North Cedar. All right, so <clears throat> I was reading this, and uh, the Lord was laying some things on my heart that were not traditionally in this. Everybody knows that faith cometh by and hearing by the, mm, we got to have the word because the word produces faith. And Jesus was releasing faith in this room because he was discussing the word, the logos. But what they didn't know was the logos was teaching the logos. Mm-hmm. That get me going right there You can preach on that right there You could just throw down and preach Now this is a simple message it's not going to be deep Not going to get into a lot of heavy revelations Not going to get into a lot of heavy um, um, What do I want to say um, Greek means this Blah 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 I'm just going to t- show you what the Lord showed me So here they are Hearing the word Faith is being built And these men come and they want to get their friend in the door because they have a heart for him. Is there anybody in your life that's not doing well that you have a heart for? And this man's not doing well and they got a heart for him. And obviously he was a believer, but his life was a shambles. Come on. Even believers' lives can become a shambles sometimes. When sin enters in, so does every evil work. Come on. And so here he is now, he's in a reduced state. He's, he's in a place of, of um, de- how do I want to say that, incapacitation. And he's laying there, and he can't help himself, but he has a friend. In fact, he's got four friends. You know, in most men's life, we have seven friends in a lifetime. And when that friend passes away, one of those friends pass away, we never replace them. That's a man's life. Ladies, have friends everywhere. Ladies, talk to everybody. But men, we kind of isolate. We kind of get quiet. This man had four friends that saw his plight and believed that there was an answer with the master. And in their heart, they said, if we can get him to the master, we can get him well, because we've seen what the master can do. So I don't know. The story, the narrative doesn't give us this, so I'm not going to build something that's not here. But I wonder if there wasn't just a conversation between them. If we could get you to the master, would you be willing to let us do it? There had to be some agreement here. This this man had to have agreement. They didn't just drag him down or come and hog tie him and drag him to church. Although we got friends that would probably be better if they did that to us once in a while. They bring him to the meeting and... Of course, you know the story. You know the narrative. They, they cannot get him in. There's too many people in the house. Don't know how large the house was. but Too many people. One of them has, a, or maybe they come with all together. I don't know. But someone came up with a plan. If we crawl up on the roof, we can dig a hole big enough to let him down in there. Now, that had to be a feat. I don't know how they done that. Trying to let down someone on a mat. I don't know how that works. But they came up with that plan. And so here he is, he hears the word, these friends, they, they get their friend to Jesus so he can hear the word. He's not getting the full brunt of it on the outside. And how many know if you're that sick that you're incapacitated, it's hard to concentrate, it's hard to hear, it's hard to hold on to. Sometimes I get a pain in my foot and that's all I can think about. Get a pain in my sacroiliac, that's all I can think about. Get a toothache. You ever tried to love Jesus with a toothache? Come on. And those are those are simple little things. This man has some kind of a sickness, disease that has totally incapacitated him. And here he is now. His friends love him so much they've lowered him into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus sees their faith, and He honors their faith. By speaking to the man. And what was the first thing he did? Your sins. Do you know Jesus always goes to the heart of the matter? He doesn't play around. When you come to the altar, Jesus doesn't meet you there to play around and let you say, well, I'll let you have this, but not this. Well, I'll let you have that, but I'm not sure I want you to come over here. Now, sometimes we have to unwrap that way because we're just selfish and that's how we are. But Jesus, when he meets you at the altar, we can walk away completely free on the first go-around. Because his intention is to set you free. He wants you free. So the first thing he did was he looked at the man and he said, Thy sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Thy sins are forgiven. And then he goes on, has a little spiritual argument And then commands the man to come off that bed. If we're going to walk whole in God, we got to get rid of the sin. But if we're going to fulfill our destiny in God, inside and outside of these walls, the sin has got to go. It's got to be dealt with. It cannot stay the way it is. Church cannot stay status quo. What you released, Megan, is absolutely correct. God is shifting things and changing things. And though we might see some, some recession going on, I'm here to tell you God is about ready to catapult. Mm, get ready. So here's my question today. Will you be a friend? This is simple, I know. Will you be a friend? Do you want your friends saved? Do you want them healed? Do you want them whole? Or are you happy with you come to church and get what you need, but you don't venture to help them? You you allow them to stay where they are. Come on, this is going to sound condemning. I don't mean it that way. But responsibility has to land where responsibility has to land. We were commissioned to go into all the world. We were commissioned to turn our world upside down. We were commissioned to go after our friends and the obstinate and the unlovely and those who don't understand God loves them yet. So I want to know, if you want your friends saved, you want him saved enough to carry them to Jesus. These men wanted this man restored, so they carried him to Jesus. Will we go to prayer? Will we go into fasting for those around us? We've never had a move of God that was devoid of those two things. Every move of God that's ever been has been initiated by the heart of God and brought through the prayers of men. And so God wants us to pray, and he wants us to fast, and we're going to get into more of that. Will we make a way for them to get to Jesus? Will we dare to tear a hole? in the roof that they have put on Jesus? Will we dare to tear a hole in the roof that they have put over church? Will we dare to tear a hole in their misunderstanding of theology? Will we dare to tear a hole in their concepts of what church is about? Will we dare to tear a hole in the church for them to get a glimpse of of who Jesus is will we blow the walls out enough that it's not hard for them to get in will we make a way to lower them into the presence of Jesus will we do what's necessary to reach our world around us because there's a world that's hurting and screaming and crying There's as much pain inside the church as there is outside of the church. That's why spiritual arguments arise within the body whenever God does something that seems controversial to our understanding. And when Jesus spoke something controversial, here came the religious arguments. And it's because we have misinterpreted theologies and misunderstandings and we don't understand the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God wishes that none should perish, but that all might yes. come to him. Is this all right? Yes. I'm, I brought a chair. I will sit in it. Mm. Do we care for them enough to take their skewed blends of humanism and the word And to get them before the real Jesus to hear the pure, unadulterated truth of Jesus Christ. The message of the world is so creeped into the church that people anymore don't even understand the word or what it is. In the workplace, you you speak about Christ and the people are happy to talk spiritual with you. But if you speak about moral absolutes or you speak about things that the word dons as righteous and holy and pure and clean, you will find counterintuitive conversation, humanistic ideas and thoughts. Today's church theologies are so often tainted that we have already drank the cult Kool-Aid of the term, don't be offensive. Jesus already told us in Matthew 24 that in the last days, many shall be offended. Society's offended. Even the people on the same side of an issue are offended one with another. So offense is not the issue here. The issue is will you stand up in the face of other people's offense and dare to tell the truth so that the truth can be heard and maybe faith can be built. Is this too hard? Mm. Satan and his demons, they're shouting the mantra so loud in the spirit that same chant of don't offend, don't offend, that the entire church and entire church organizations have seared preaching the truth. They no longer preach the truth. It's as though we've cauterized the vein of truth in order to appease the masses because we want to fill up uh, our church uh, with a lot of fancy attendance. And a lot of entertainment, but we don't want to go where we need to go with the word. Many organizations now no longer preach the blood. They call it the butcher shop religion. We no longer preach the cross because it's too cruel. It's a torture rack. We no longer preach judgment because God doesn't judge. Have you read Revelation? He's coming back with fire in his eyes to judge those who purposely put him off. Mm -hmm. I'm having fun already. We no longer preach abstinence, but we'd rather hand out condoms. We no longer preach on abortion. We no longer preach on premarital sex. We no longer preach on shacking. We no longer preach on adultery. We no longer preach on sexual confusion. Can I just say it the way it is? I'm going to get in trouble. Homosexuality. Let's tell the truth. The Bible calls it an abomination. I'm not ugly and mean-spirited, nor do I want to hurt anyone. I want to help them. I'm the man standing outside of a burning building ready to run in and try to carry you out into the presence of Jesus if you'll allow me to come in. We no longer preach on lying or gossiping or backbiting or quarreling or stealing. We don't preach on hell we act as if it doesn't exist. If you just ignore it, it's going to go away. Baby, it ain't going to go away. And there's a world that's dying and going to hell. Thousands, thousands in this minute are dying and going to hell because we wouldn't tear the roof off for them to see the real Jesus. And so we wanted to play a plastic game and where are we sending them to hell? Number two, is that a lesser hell? No, there's only one hell. And if you go there, it is for Eternity. Wow, I'm in trouble. We preach faith as it's as a get get rich scheme. Come on, I'm just going to tell you. Now I'm a faith man. I believe in word of faith, but I've seen it abused and taken out of its context and turned into something that it's not. I believe in living a life of prosperity in Jesus Christ from head to toe. But it's not my scratcher card to instant riches. It's a lifestyle of faith, growing and being challenged in that faith and growing to that challenge and going beyond in Jesus Christ. We only want to preach self-help messages, things of self-esteem to make us feel good about ourselves to attract the masses so we can fill our pretty padded pews so we can dazzle an entertain me generation Who's, who have the attention span of a cocker spaniel in a squirrel convention. I know, that wasn't right. It's an uninterested generation choking on the tantalizing entertainments of the Luciferian society. I'm going to let that settle in the air. It's a generation that's uninterested and choking on the tantalizing entertainments of the Luciferian society. We've tied up, or we're tied up in social media until we no longer have a personality without an electronic device in our hands. Hmm. Hollow lives with no absolutes leave behind an empty hole that cannot be filled. So when sin loses its luster, we can't get what we want, so we turn to cutting. And we turn to medicating with chemical addiction or sexual promiscuity. And until suicide looks like an attractive alternative, I'm talking about the generation that's waiting for us to stand up and make a difference and tear a hole in the top of our church so that the fire of God can be seen. Is this all right? So as long as the church plays, society pays. Our prisons are full of sexual deviants and substance abusers and thieves and murderers. But a 20-minute afternoon ride through any community will show you that those same conditions exist outside of the walls. We, the church, for too long have become happy with church services while our family and friends drown in a cesspool of satanic filth. Is this too hard? I'm back from vacation. Y'all expected happy, Pastor. Our government is so vile it continues to legislate sin and accept as an accepted lifestyle. Church, if we don't tear the roof off of apathy and the apathy of the message of Jesus and his faith-building word, yet another generation will live and die never knowing that the promises of God are yes and amen for them. My message today is just a bunch of scribblings thrown on a piece of paper. I didn't even try to organize it because I wanted God to be God today. This generation will never see church as more than a social club of boring meetings. They will never encounter the life changing words of Jesus. They will never understand the power of a manifested Jesus. They'll never understand that knowing Jesus means a life of true freedom. They'll never experience a healing sent from the heart of Father God, the wholeness of a life with an inner peace and a security. They'll never understand a word from God so strong that they can build their life upon it. Why? Because the church stopped being a friend to the world. What was one of the things that Jesus was called? Friend to who? Friend to who? Friend to who? But we want everyone perfect on the inside. And we don't want you to taint what we have because it's so purty. We don't treat the church like a fishing boat. We treat it like a parade vessel. Yet I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to quit because there's a generation to be one. There's a generation that I want to, to to leave behind me that's even more on fire than I've been in my lifetime. I want to fan the flame into this next generation because they have a much bigger job to reach their generation than I did. My generation lived on the decline and was happy to be there. My generation lived in a time when we just got happy with apathy. We got happy with just coming to church. We got happy with three songs and a sermon. We got happy with teaching little little platitudes to make ourselves feel good. We got got happy with just teaching little self-help messages we got happy, and we we went experimenting, and we went out and, and surveyed, well, what would bring you to church, since you don't come to church, Mr. Center, what would bring you? And then when they gave us the answer, we came back and refashioned the church so that people would want to come in. I'm here to tell you that that plan will never work, and the churches that did that are now beginning to find out that it built nothing but a headache and a heartache and a trouble for society, and now, now many of those ministers are falling on their face and they're repenting and they're trying to bring the household of faith back to where it should be. The problem is, is we've allowed too much ground to get away. We've allowed so much ground to get away that the government thinks it can run roughshod over the church. And the government was never established to rule the church. The church was established to rule the government. And it's time that we begin to let society know that in the power of Jesus' name at Passion Church, we're going to tear the roof off of this apathetic thing called Christianity so the world can see in and see the manifest presence of Jesus and know that we will follow his spirit wherever he leads not where we lead wow that's amazing there's more to this message but time just really will not permit me to go any further please understand that I'm not mad I'm not upset if you're if you're watching today by streaming. I'm not a mad pastor, but I am a man of righteous indignation. The word tells us very clearly that there's coming a remnant generation. As we spoke before church and you weren't privy to that if you're if you're streaming. As we spoke before church I talked about how my generation has seen so many changes come and go in the body of Christ, some of them positive, some of them not. And I can look back and point to those generations and tell you where they were strong and where they were weak. But the word tells us that there's coming a generation that in the midst of a great falling away, are going to stand up to be counted. They're going to be a friend to the world. They're not going to look like you and I, dress like you and I, act like you and I, those of us who share my heritage. They're not going to do it exactly the way we do it. But if we equip them, the message will be the same. This generation is looking for a friend. They can't find it. This generation is looking for someone to tell the truth and not sugarcoat, candy coat, or play. When I talk with the millennial generation, you know what they tell me? Don't play. If it hurts, tell us. We want it. We need it. We don't want to live... Without rules, we want to know what the rules are so we can live to the fullest. There's a generation on the rise called the remnant. Those of you who are really good at coloring your hair, like me, in my generation, we're not out. We're here. God has promised me And it's beginning to happen. God promised me when this move began that he was going to send seasoned teachers and people of the word who know how to minister the truth and know how to teach and know how to take young people and mold them and shape them into what they should be. That's the way revival will look in the days to come. People coming in, having an encounter with a real God for the first time, walking through the doors as the power of God hits them even on the parking lot because we've got people out there on that parking lot working who are Holy Ghost terrorists. And they're getting greeted out there, ministered to sometimes before they make it to the front door. And when they make it to the front door, they got people standing there who not only greet them but can see if there's something going on and if this person needs help. And by the time they get... To the third greeting here at the sanctuary door, there are people here who are trying to keep their spirits sensitive, poised and ready. There are training centers yet to come. There are schools yet to be built. People are going to come into this place. They're going to get saved. And they're not going to go back out the door and, Experiment with the world, they're going to come in and they're going to keep walking closer and, closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to God. I got to quit. I'm way over 15 minutes. But I want you to understand, church. Don't get caught up in what you see right now. Don't get caught up. God is doing something. Exceedingly abundantly above all. God is assembling an army to train. Wednesday nights are going to turn into training here in the next few weeks. And then we're going to start having classes later for ministry training to train this younger generation that they can replicate what's going on by those who are already filled with the faith and operating. We need more terrorists to go in places of darkness and represent Jesus Christ, who aren't afraid to tear their roof off and let people see the Christ in them. Is this too hard? I am titled this message, Will You Be a Friend? Next week I'll finish this because there's more to this. Will you be a friend? Church, will you be a friend? I'm not talking about a friend who just goes along with a crowd and allows your friends to do what they want to do. No one that'll stand up and say, hey, that's not right. Hey, don't go there. Hey, that'll destroy your life. Hey, I can help you with that. I can get you to a place where that can change. Don't sit idly by while your friends fall into satanic rule. Be bold enough to tell the truth and speak up. Be bold enough to stand up, and be a voice in your generation to say no. no. No, 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 no. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, help you win all about building God's Kingdom. At Passion Church we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving then send us a message on Facebook or through our website passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.